As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning. Welcome to the Daily Transfer Briefing from The Athletic. It's Wednesday, the 24th of January. I'm Tim Spears, and on today's show... The January window hots up in the Premier League with three internationals potentially on the move. It wouldn't completely shock you if they did go again and if Newcastle's stance softened. Chelsea are on their way to a cup final. And now they have a chance to win the first trophy of the Bowley Clear Lake era. But will Liverpool follow? Even though Salah is still Liverpool's most potent attacking weapon, Klopp is in a pretty special position to have five such elite attackers. This is the Daily Transfer Briefing with Tim Spears. We'll start with last night's action and Chelsea breezed into next month's Carabao Cup final at Wembley with a 6-1 thrashing of Championship side Middlesbrough at Stamford Bridge. The tie had been in the balance after Borough's 1-0 victory in the first leg but Chelsea were in hitherto unseen ruthless form and blew Michael Carrick's team away with goals from Enzo Fernandez, Axel de Sassi, Noni Medweke, two from Cole Palmer and an own goal from Johnny Howson. Here's Liam Toomey to sum it up for us. All the obvious caveats apply. Middlesbrough are a championship side. They also happen to be one of the only clubs with more injured players than Chelsea right now. And on the night they made a steady stream of costly errors that made Chelsea's task of scoring the goals that put this game away much easier. With all that said, this is real progress for Chelsea, I think for two main reasons. One, they were ruthless. Six shots on target, six goals. The other one is that too often this team has raised or lowered its level to the standard of the opposition this year. Some of their best performances have come against Manchester City, Arsenal, Liverpool, but they've also managed to lose in the league to teams that they have no business losing to. They went out with a really attack-minded game plan, a real sense of urgency. They overwhelmed Middlesbrough early and they didn't let up. And now they have a chance to win the first trophy of the Bowley Clear Lake era. It would clearly be massive for the new owners as something to hang their hat on, some evidence that the club is finally trending in the right direction. I think it would be massive for Maurizio Pochettino. He said it in his press conference, I'm desperate to win a title here. That was a real change of tune, incidentally, from what he said at Tottenham 
where he claimed that the domestic cups or the idea of winning a trophy, even if it was a domestic cup, only serves to build the ego. He's not saying that now. He knows the culture of Chelsea is, is to win silverware and he wants to deliver that. In the African Cup of Nations, Algeria, winners in 2019, were dumped out of the group stages after a shock 1-0 defeat to Mauritania, who were ranked 105th in the world. Algeria dropped Riyad Mahrez for that one, while over in Group C, Cameroon dropped Man United goalkeeper Andre Anana for their must-win game against Gambia, amid suggestions of a feud with Cameroon Football Federation President Samuel Eto'o. Cameroon did win, just in a chaotic game, with two late goals, having gone 2-1 down in the 85th minute seeing them squeak through with a 3-2 victory. Cameroon still have a chance. They need a winner. It might come here and it does potentially by Christopher Wall. In goal for Cameroon, Anana's cousin Fabrice Ondoa, of course, who plays for Nîmes in the third tier of French football. You've got to love Afcon. Also in Group C, defending champion Senegal beat Guinea 2-0 to complete what will be the only 100% record of the group stages. Yesterday's results meant that Ghana, who had finished third in Group B a day earlier on just two points, could no longer qualify as one of the best-ranked third-place sides. And that meant that Ghana's Chris Hewton, formerly of Newcastle and Brighton, was last night relieved of his duties as head coach. You're listening to The Daily Transfer Briefing with Tim Spears. Transfer news now and England midfielder Calvin Phillips looks set to complete a loan move from Manchester City to West Ham until the end of the season. Phillips has only started two matches for City in 2023-24 and will hope that regular football with the Hammers helps him secure a place in England's squad for the Euros this summer. West Ham will cover Phillips' wages and the player is due to undergo a medical on Thursday. Here's Sam Lee on where it all went wrong for Phillips at the Etihad. The reason why he left is... City realised quite quickly, or at least believed, that he wasn't up to the level that they needed, not just to replace Rodri, because they appreciate that nobody in the current squad can replace Rodri, but even to play alongside him. It's one of those where you think, how do they end up coming to sign him in the first place? Basically, City knew in the summer when they signed him that they couldn't or didn't want to sign a top-class player for 80, 100 million, because they love Rodri and want him to play all the time. They wanted somebody to be happy not playing quite so much and with an England international who played for Marcelo Bielsa they thought okay this guy will be adaptable enough to learn what he needs to do to take on that role but ultimately they felt they were wrong because they feel he's a more direct player he's not especially good taking the ball off the goalkeeper with his back to the opposition or they've decided they failed to change him and to be honest that was spotted very quickly and as early as January last year only six months after signing and despite having surgery and the World Cup, which didn't give him much of a chance, Guardiola had pretty much decided already that Phillips didn't have a future in his team. Meanwhile, Newcastle have rejected a £12.8 million bid from Bayern Munich for right-back Kieran Trippier. Newcastle are adamant that the 33-year-old won't leave St James's Park this month. Here to tell us about that and a couple of possible deals involving Aston Villa and Nottingham Forest is our transfer guru, David Ornstein. David, are we expecting another bid from Bayern for Trippier? 
That's the big question now, Tim, because nothing would surprise you in this case. It came sort of out of the blue. And uh, despite Newcastle saying he's not for sale and Bayern suggesting to us that they're not going to go above their 15 million euros offer that's been rejected, it wouldn't completely shock you if they did go again. And if Newcastle's stance softened, because every player has their price, let alone a 33-year-old who's out of contract in 2025 and... It seems that the move appeals to him, although he's been completely respectful of Newcastle and will abide by their decision. He's very happy there. So it feels like the sort of drama that will rumble on as this window draws towards a close. But uh, let's see if Newcastle are true to their word on stating that he'll he'll be staying. Same with Callum Wilson. Uh, and perhaps it's actually Miguel Almiron who is the one that could move if the right sort of offer comes in um, because that would really help them with their financial fair play situation and, and potentially raise a bit more money, it would seem, from South Saudi Arabia, but nothing is set in stone yet on any of those. Kieran Trippier one it's a sort of typical transfer window phrase. Watch this space. Hmm, like it. Another but possible deal he reported on. Quite a surprising one, this, to us, to us mere mortals not in the transfer world. But Forrest are hoping to sign American international Gio Reyna on loan from Borussia Dortmund. I love this story, not because it's ours, but because it kind of just came out of nowhere and Gio Reyna has built up some mythical status within football. Somehow he's only 21. Like He seems to have been around for an eternity. And we had all that controversy at the Qatar World Cup, which really was remarkable if people want to go and read up about it. It sort of rocked US football. But he remains a star name and, and playing for Dortmund where we've seen flashes of of this prodigious talent um, but he's not really been playing recently and it feels like a move is needed to reinvigorate his career uh, I think he's moved to the so-called super agent George Mendes uh, who has close links to Forrest and yeah we revealed that uh, Nottingham Forest are in talks with Borussia Dortmund to sign him on loan they would like it to include an option to buy they are determined to get this deal done and put an agreement in place it's not quite there yet there are a number of uh, elements that need to be resolved for it to get there but if they manage to pull it off it would sort of bring another big name especially with that sort of US uh, shirt on his back to the Premier League and and a bit of excitement to Forrest um, at a time where they've probably been a bit down with the PSR financial fair play charges they've faced uh, for the previous accounting period but that's not to say they can't do some business now and if it's a sort of loan with an option it means payments come later and we get into all that financial nonsense again but yeah it's one that uh, stands a real chance and I think it's it's fascinating. And another one people probably won't have seen coming, Leander Dendonka to Italian champions Napoli on loan from Aston Villa. He doesn't seem to have uh, been a key part of Unai Emery's plans. Uh, some useful cameos here and there. I don't think he's really featured for Belgium of late either. And then boom, yeah. Um, Napoli, Champions League, um, come in for him. That one is also um, expected to be a loan. I think there may be an option to buy in the summer. The last I heard, it, it wasn't fully closed. The talks were ongoing on both the club-to-club -club side and player-to-club side. But he is a player that Aston Villa have been looking to shift for quite some time, as I've reported. Uh, they wanted him to go in the summer 
it didn't materialise and it seems it will now, which will help them, you know, create a bit of salary space and streamline the squad a bit more because Unai Emery likes to work with quite a, a small, tight squad of, of players he's going to use. Uh, Aston Villa still have European competition to think about. So let's see if they do anything before the window closes to enhance their squad. But yeah, that's one um, we would expect to go through. Excellent. Thanks, David. There's also a big transfer deal brewing in the women's game with Chelsea midfielder Jesse Fleming set to leave the WSL and join American NWSL club Portland Thorns. Back to the Carabao Cup now and Chelsea may have made it look pretty easy last night, but will Liverpool be able to replicate that when they face Fulham for a place in the final at Craven Cottage tonight? The Reds hold a slender advantage over Marco Silva's side after a 2-1 comeback win at Anfield in the first leg. Jurgen Klopp's team have won all four matches in January, scoring 12 goals in the process and they made a mockery of the absence of Mo Salah with a 4-0 win at Inform Bournemouth at the weekend. To preview the game is our Liverpool correspondent James Pearce. James, if we start with Salah, there were obvious concerns that they'd struggle without his goals. So how has Klopp adjusted the team to his absence? Yeah, well, I think I think the beauty of it for Klopp is he does have an array of options at the top end of that of the field. It's um, even though Salah is still Liverpool's most potent attacking weapon, uh, Klopp is in a you know a pretty special position to have five such elite attackers and. And thankfully, you know, with Salah away and now injured, the, the other four are, are fit and healthy. Makes a huge difference having Diogo Jota back firing on all cylinders. You know, everyone could see how he stepped up and, and delivered down at, at Bournemouth. And also, you know, huge as well to see Darwin Nunes, who's taken a lot of flack for not scoring enough goals to, to tuck away two in such clinical fashion. And then you've got Diaz and, and Cody Gagpo, playing their part as well. So um yeah, it's a it's a kind of very fluid front line really. We saw, you know, Diaz has spent some time on the right hand side at Bournemouth. Um, you know, uh, Gagpo is, is drifts out wide at, at times. It's you know Jota as well. So Liverpool have to play, I think, slightly differently without Salah, but the the beauty of it is for Klopp is that goal threat very much remains. It's not just Salah who's out at the moment, of course. They've got quite a few injuries at Liverpool. Anyone back for the second leg tonight? Well, the big news from Pep Linders' press conference was that, that Andy Robertson has been given the green light to to travel with the squad. Of course, it's been over three months since um, since he dislocated his shoulder playing for Scotland. Yeah, he's had the all clear in terms of resuming contact training. Pep Linders said the medical department had said you know he's good to go, so it's a coaching decision. And Linda said, and us coaches say, yes, 100%, we want Andy Robertson back in the squad. So I think that will give everyone a lift. Um, it'd be interesting to see what Klopp does, because, of course, Joe Gomez has quite rightly got a lot of a lot of plaudits for the manner in which he's deputised there, with Simicast being out as well. And more positive news, really, Curtis Jones, there was a concern, concern over him when he went off at Bournemouth holding his hamstring, but thankfully that proved to just be fatigue, a bit of cramp. In general, the injury situation for Liverpool is looking a lot rosier. Cheers, James. That one kicks off at 8pm on Sky Sports, or if you're in the States, it's on ESPN Plus at 3pm Eastern Time. The AFCON group stages conclude with Tunisia, rock bottom of Group E, looking to avoid an early exit when they face South Africa. Mali are already through and play Namibia. In Group F, leaders Morocco are top and have qualified. The other three teams haven't won a game yet, so it's the last chance saloon at DR Congo v Tunisia, while Morocco's opponents are third place Zambia. Elsewhere, 
elsewhere, Barcelona are in action in the Copa del Rey away at Athletic Bilbao, while there's a big one in the Bundesliga where Bayern Munich face a must-win game in hand at home to Union Berlin. Thomas Tuchel's team could close the gap to leaders by Leverkusen to four points. Right, that's all for today's transfer briefing. Thank you for listening. I've been Tim Spears, your producer was Mike Zimmerman, and your executive producer was Ian McIntosh. Adam Leventhal will be back with you tomorrow. In the meantime, have a great day. The Athletic.